Inshallah, today we'll do a short story from the seerah that actually has a very interesting and contested fiqhi position that is relevant to our times. It is the story of uh, Salim, the Mawla of Abu Hudayfa. Who is this Salim? Who's Abu Hudayfa? What's his story? In a nutshell, because we have to get to the fiqhi issue as well. Abu Hudayfa is the son of Utbah, and Utbah was a distant uncle of the Prophet Remember the story of Ta'if? And he went to the garden, and the two brothers, Utbah and Shayba, these are the two brothers. Utbah and Shayba, they were the two brothers who owned the garden. And Utbah was the one who, in the Battle of Badr, when the Prophet saw the Battle of Badr's, uh, the, the Quraysh on the other side, and there was a red camel running back and forth. And the Prophet said, if they listen to the man on the red camel, they shall be successful. That man on the red camel was Utbah. And Utbah was saying to the Quraysh, Oh Quraysh, why are you going to war? So what if they have a different religion? You're going to kill your own blood relatives because they have a different faith? Why are you going to war with them? And Abu Jahl made fun of him. Abu Jahl said, you're a coward. That's why you're saying this. So Utbah was vetoed. And the Prophet praised Utbah, even though he was a non-Muslim. If they listen to Utbah, they will be successful. So he praised the man on the red camel, he said. Utbah, he died in the Battle of Badr. Utbah's son is Abu Hudayfa. Abu Hudayfa embraced Islam early Mecca, made hijrah to Abyssinia, and you know was one of the well-known Sahaba. Abu Hudayfa, in the days of Jahiliyyah, had a slave. That slave was from Iran, Persia. And that slave was called Salim. We don't know anything about his ancestry because he was a slave, a child brought from Iran. He was an Iranian, a Persian, from the land or from the, uh, from the city of Istakhar, one of, the, one of the capitals of the ancient Sassanid Empire. So Salim was from this land of Istakhar and he was raised up as an Arab, even though he was Persian, but he was taken as, as a child. And he was raised up as an Arab. He spoke fluent Arabic and he learned the customs and the habits of the Arabs. And he was a very precocious, intelligent, very uh, uh, well ingratiated people loved him. So much so that as a young child, he was freed from slavery. And Salim was freed from slavery and Abu Hudayfa decided to adopt him according to the Jahili adoption technique, which is called Tabanni. You remember the concept of Tabani? We talked about this a lot of times, that Allah has abrogated. Allah says it's not allowed. That adoption, Salim was called the son of Abu Hudayfa. So Salim ibn Abi Hudayfa, even though he wasn't the son. Salim was a slave. But Abu Hudayfa loved him so much. He was such a bright young child, raised up in the household that Salim adopted him and then gave him his own niece in marriage. Like really treated him like a Qurashi. Now you're gonna be a Qurashi. And he was raised as a Qurashi. And he was treated as a Qurashi. Then they embraced Islam. The whole family embraced Islam. Obviously not Utbah, he died a pagan. But Abu Hudayfa the son and Salim. They embraced Islam. They migrated to Abyssinia. They came back. Then they migrated to Medina. And Salim as a young child already had memorized the whole Quran that had been revealed up until that time. And Salim was the one who would lead Salah in Masjid Quba before the process had migrated to Medina. And Umar ibn Khattab was there, Ibn Umrah was there, others were there. And Salim was the one who was the Imam. That's how good his tilawa was. That's how good of an Arabic pronunciation. He was chosen as the Imam 
amongst the Sahaba, even though his origin was something else, but he was more knowledgeable in the Quran than many of the Sahaba. This is Salim, Mawla Abi Hudayfa. So Salim is raised up in the household, embraces Islam. Then Allah reveals in the Quran, don't call them except by their fathers. Don't call them these false lineages. So Allah abrogated this concept of tabanni. And so Salim was no longer called Salim ibn Abi Hudayfa. He was called Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa. Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa. And lots of praise is given of Salim, by the way. Our Prophet said, Hadith is in Bukhari. Learn the Quran from four people. And he mentioned Ubay and Ibn Mas'ud. And he said, Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa. And once Aisha radiallahu anha was delayed coming back to the house. And the Prophet said, what delayed you? She said, I was passing by the masjid. I heard somebody recite and his voice mesmerized me. So the Prophet wore his cloak, went outside. It turned out it was Salim. So he said, Alhamdulillah, that Allah has blessed me with the likes of Salim to be in my ummah. What great praise that he said, Alhamdulillah, I have somebody like Salim in my ummah. And uh, Salim passed away a shaheed in the battle of Yamama. Um, and uh, Umar ibn Khattar radiallahu an, after Salim passed away, he was sitting amongst the elite of the Sahaba. He said to them, if you guys had a wish, what would you wish for? Each one wished, I wish I had a million dinars, I would spend it in the way of Allah. I wish I had this, I wish I had that. You know what Umar ibn Khattab said? He said, as for me, I wish I had this whole house instead of full of you, it was full of Salim and people like Salim. He's reminiscing. I wish I had people like Salim and I would appoint him to be the governor or the leader of every expedition. Like he's missing, you know, Salim. And when he was stabbed and he was about to die, he said, if Salim had been alive, I wouldn't have appointed the six people. I would have asked Salim who to choose. He would have immediately asked Salim. This is the status of Salim, Mawla Abi Hudayfa. You can see how beloved he was to the Sahaba, to the Prophet to uh, Umar al-Khattab and, and the rest of the Sahaba. Now, this Salim, this is the story we wanted to mention. When the Allah revealed in the Quran that they are no longer your children, they are, you call them by their fathers. So the tabanni is abolished. So Salim then became a stranger in the household a non-mahram to the household. And so, Abu Hudayfa's wife, her name was Sahla binti Suhail ibn Amr. The Suhail ibn Amr of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, if you remember the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. That Suhail ibn Amr, her daughter is Sahla. So, uh, Sahla was the one who raised Salim. So the mother, not, not the actual biological mother, but the one who raised Salim. So, Sahla went to the Prophet and said, Ya Rasulullah, Salim is now a young man. And he enters in upon us, and he's not mahram to me. And I mean, Salim has no other house. He doesn't have any family. He was raised in the household of, you know, uh, Abu Hudayfa, and he doesn't have any family in Medina. So what is to be done? I mean, should we only have one house? He's going to come in. Would I wear the hijab? What do I do? So the Prophet said, you may feed him some of your milk. She was pregnant and feeding another child. You may feed him some of your milk. Meaning express it in a cup and give it to him. This is the controversy, the fiqh controversy. She said, Ya Rasulullah, he's an adult. He's a young man. The Prophet laughed. He goes, I know he's a young man. Feed him and he will be your mahram. Okay? Now, you understand this hadith is in Bukhari, well-known incident. Now, you understand where this is heading. 
The question arises, is this incident a one-off exception that was given specifically for Salim and Abu Hudayfa because Tabanni had been abrogated, adoption has been abrogated, and so certain one-off instances have to be done to make sure society can flourish. So is the Salim incident one-off or is it a principle that in case of need, you may lactate, express the milk in a cup, obviously, and give it to somebody above the age of two, because the vast majority of scholars, actually the four schools of Sunni Islam, Hanafi, Shafi'i, Maliki, Hanbali, they all say Salim's case is exception. And they say in order for the rada'a, the fostership to be established, you must give milk to a child less than the age of two. Because the point is, according to them, that the milk will nourish the child. And so there is literally, they call it the growth of meat in the child. They call it like the bones being fed by the child. Like there's going to be a type of biological relationship between the foster mother and the child, such that now this child is a mahram. And all the other children born to this lady, that's the foster brothers and sisters. So, the four madhab said, this is a one-off. We don't make any qiyas, any analogy. And Allah says in the Quran, وَالْوَالِدَاتُ يُرْضِعِنَ وَلَادَهُنَّ حَوْلَيْنِ كَامِلَيْنِ لِمَنْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يُتِمَّ الرَّضَاعَ Foster mothers should breastfeed their children up until two years if they want to fulfill the whole time of fostership, of rada'a. So they say, Imam al-Shafi'i said, Allah mentions two years, means the child has to be less than two years old. So any feeding that takes place after two years is irrelevant. This is what the majority say. But there's always been a minority opinion. And in fact, the first person who held this minority opinion was none other than our mother Aisha radiallahu anha. Aisha herself radiallahu anha, when there was in the, because you know Aisha had plenty of nephews and nieces from Asma, Abdullah ibn Zubair, all of them. She had plenty of blood relatives. When there was an instance of a young man raised up and not wanting to have any mahram relationships, and she wanted to establish mahram relationships, she would tell her nieces, she would tell her blood relatives that, okay, you may express and give some milk, now this person can enter in, into your section and be a blood brother unto you. This was Aisha radiallahu anha's fatwa. And this fatwa remained in the ummah as a minority, Ibn Hazm and Dawud al-Zahiri, and then Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn al-Qayyim, they also championed this view. Ibn Taymiyyah said, that this instance of Salim, it shows that in dire situations, when there's no option and the child has passed the age of two, and there must be some logical or some rational reason why, then we may make an exception. But it's an exception, not a general rule. That, you know, when there's a need. And of course, this fatwa, some modern agencies and, and fuqaha have taken it in the case of adoption that if you take a child above the age of two maybe five years old seven years old and now they're going to be raised up in the household then this some ulama say you can follow 
Ibn Taymiyyah, Aisha's position, whatnot, because of the Salim issue. I'm not here to discuss, you know, the correct opinion. At the end of the day, you ask the Shaykh, you trust and the judgment you follow. Just wanted to mention here the instance of the seerah and how something that, again, you know, the seerah teaches us so much and the instance takes place, but then we remain, or later scholars remain now wondering, is this an exception because of the status of Salim? And because the Quran came down at that particular time, it has to accommodate this, the families upon which the Quran came down. Because that's a unique. Or is this legislation for the entire ummah? The Sahaba themselves differed. On one side you have Aisha radiallahu anha. On the other side you have Umar and others. They said, no, it's a one-off. Even in the Sahaba they differed. Even amongst the Sahaba. And this ikhtilaf has remained in the ummah. But truth be told, the majority opinion is that the Salim instance is no Qiyas, no analogy, it's a one-off. And in the end of the day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Just wanted to tell you that interesting anecdote and how we benefit from it even in our times. And inshallah, we'll give other stories later on. Zakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. <laughs> والخاشعين والخاشعات والمتصدقين والمتصدقات والصائمين والصائمات والحافظين فروجهم والحافظات والذاكرين الله كثيرا والذاكرات أعد الله لهم مغفرة وأجرا عظيما